Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are the Tottenham Hotspur theme show that's brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This week we do not have Dave and in fact we don't even have Elio. We've mixed things up a bit for this week as Dave is, I I don't even know where Dave is but I I don't know, I'm sure one of you does. Elio is off on holiday. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Shows how much I pay attention. Elio is off on holiday to South Africa so don't feel sorry for him. He's off having the time of his life on lovely holiday so uh, he'll actually be out for a couple of weeks you know to add to all the Spurs absences this year we're now having to make do without star players as well so we're going to have a slightly different looking team for the next couple of weeks which brings me to today where I am joined by our regular guest Sox uh, and a not so regular guest and I don't mean that in a mean way uh, Petros welcome (laughs) who has been on the show before and is actually more involved in the Plus Dave podcast than you would ever know because he does a lot of work for us behind the scenes people of a certain age will all know that you have younger relatives that you ask to help you with technological issues Uh, he is mine he is my brother who is actually older than Sox I believe but is somehow more technologically advanced and you're basically like our IT support slash producer <laughs> slash director slash sound guy slash everything right well yes i think that's that's probably the best way i mean I, my whole career is based in video editing and filmmaking so when daggers came to me saying hey i want to do a podcast uh it was like okay yeah. i guess i guess i'm going to be having to figure out how to do all this <laughs> i suppose you're going to drag me into this somehow and i'm going to get no credit or recognition but i'm going to have to do all the hard work and and i should be said that you're the one who taught me how to edit so if you're not impressed with the editing of the final <laughs> product you can blame him but your other capacity in this podcast is going to be providing us with the odd occasional little bouts of stats because i've been dropping the ball recently with my stats so we decided to give you the temporary nickname of statros as you come to us with some interesting facts and figures when you appear on shows and you're going to be making more appearances in future as well as we understand so yeah so that's, got that's that to the plan to, hopefully you came on the first episode and then we didn't let you back for about 100 so you know <laughs> you, there's no pressure you've got to do really really well today I'm, I'm joking well let the fine. universe howl in despair for I have returned <laughs> <laughs> niche reference there. that is that is, that is a niche reference, yeah. That is that's a Justice League cartoon reference. That is correct, yes. That uh, is. Apocalypse, yeah, that is indeed. That is indeed. Right, so we are here to talk about Tottenham Hotspur, and specifically Tottenham Hotspur losing in the fourth round of the FA Cup to Manchester City in a home game that we thought was safe because Man City never score at our stadium, but apparently they did this time. We're going to talk about that as well as upcoming games and everything else as well. Sox, while Elio is off in South Africa, I thought I would test you and ask if you can tell me the four South Africans that have been Tottenham Hotspur players in the past. Uh, Bongani Kumalo. Yes. Who never played... Mbuelo Mabizela. Correct. Who scored a thunder bastard away he at Leicester. Did. I remember watching he that. scored. That was on Premiership goal. Plus, if I remember <laughs> Very good. correctly. Very uh, good. Steven Pienaar. Correct. Who I think we have for about six months, but who the hell is the fourth? The fourth one's not really a real answer South because African. he was only in the youth. No, he was South African and he's quite well known as a footballer in the Premier League, but for Man United and Bolton more than us because he was in our youth setup rather than a Spurs player proper. Uh, South African oh. international... I mean, I assume if he's playing in the Premier League, uh, he's probably good enough for their team. Time. 
Quentin Fortune? That's him. Yeah. He was, he was a in youth our youth player. team. I suppose you oh, I, I no learned idea. this today when I was looking this up so I could ask you. Yeah, Quentin Fortune apparently was a Spurs oh, player. This is the point where Elio would be frantically Googling to try and prove that I'm wrong because he'd love to catch me out on something like this. But, <laughs> but anyway, Elio's in South Africa. He's going to be off for a couple of weeks. So that brings us to talking about the game. So it is Saturday. It's the day after. The dust has settled a little bit on that game. I'm going to need you guys to help me fill in the gaps because I watched this game through several pints of Guinness in a murky Irish bar with no commentary a tiny screen and uh, I did have my glasses on but I didn't really have the best view and it was quite difficult to know who was who and what was going on so the impression I got is probably not the fairest assessment of the game um, and I say that because I thought it was quite an even match coming out of it which apparently by all the statistics and uh, all the accounts I've heard from everyone else it was not. Socks, would you say it's fair that we lost that game? Yeah it was uh, I would describe it as like a 1-0 thrashing like we were well beaten and even though they didn't necessarily pepper Vicario's goal too much, I mean, they did kind of toward the end. Yeah. We didn't really do anything. We had, I can't remember the last time we were so suffocated. I mean, we went up to their place, obviously, with Davis and Emerson Royale, the centre backs, and they should have sort of batted us 4 1 in the first half. Mm. Uh, obviously, we got away with a 3 3 draw, but even though they kind of dominated us then, we created quite a few chances. I mean, obviously, we created enough to score three goals, but there were a couple irrespective of that. This was probably about as toothless as I've seen us alongside that Wolves away game going back to October, November, whenever it was. So I don't think yeah. we can have any complaints. Like, I don't even think it's one of those games that requires an insane amount of forensic analysis. What you just had was a team that was much better than us, showing us very much <laughs> how much better than they actually are. Yeah. And we looked, I don't want to say out of ideas, but just whether it was a, a lack of quality or whatever it was, we just did not have the tools to respond. And that's us out, unfortunately, and our most kind of realistic chance of winning a trophy, obviously, despite your protestations that we're in the title race, is, uh, is <laughs> now gone. Ange, but... I should remind you. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite. not the only yeah, one Well, well you're both wrong. You're yeah. both wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah well being, and there's not really too much more to say, unfortunately. Basically, the best team in the world are actually quite good in summary is what we've learned. As it uh, turns from, out, yeah. From that. Uh, Petros, what do you think of that game? Because I think your summary in our, in our group chat, the infamous, notorious Plus Dave group chat, was that we've seemed to have fixed our defence, but we now need to fix our attack. Is that essentially how you still feel? Yeah, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the Wolves game, as uh, Sox said, in that it felt like there was nothing coming out of the midfield. There was nothing pushing us forward. And even the commentators recognised it at the time repeatedly. You had Timo Werner on the left wing, who was continually oh, getting space, Timo. but just receiving no balls. I think he got one, which he almost set up a goal for Richarlison, who unfortunately was uh, sort of just blocked in the area. And one time where Werner got the ball and Walker was just still at 33 years of age. And, and I can tell you as a 35-year-old, it is not easy to run as fast as Kyle Walker does. You're absolutely right. It is. It, it was, it, like Sock says, a 1-0 thrashing is really what it felt like. And the yeah. interesting thing is the stats don't necessarily show it in some aspects. And then when you look at other aspects, such as the fact that we had a grand total of one shot the entire game. <laughs> yeah. And they had 18. 18, yeah. See, that shocked me when I looked that up, because that's not the game I remember. I, I'm obviously <laughs> painting a very happy picture in my head to cope with it. I was too fixated on the goal, which we'll get on to. The goal that actually counted. They had two goals that went to the AR. One was disallowed, one was allowed. I was too aggrieved by that thinking, that is a scandal that I forgot that actually 
on the balance of it, we probably got battered and we're probably lucky that it was only one goal and that it wasn't a formality by then already. All things considered, it, it, it like I was saying about them not really pushing out from the midfield and not getting things up there. When I look at the extra amount of possession, that reads about right. They only had 56, we had 43% possession. So it looks like we ha- we did have our fair share of possession, maybe not as much as we normally do. That's up to 99. Was the ref have the ball for the other uh, 1%? 43.4 <laughs> <laughs> 43. and 56.6. Uh, um, okay all right yeah. okay sorry um, i'm doing it i'm being a troll being elio <laughs> no no uh, it's uh it's, it's been a while um i'm honestly just impressed that my maths are still up to the scratch yeah that, 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 that was quite impressive i'm not gonna lie um yeah, yeah. but that that's basically uh it like hoiberg is not built for this team he was not playing the ball forward the way we need to and it just became a very difficult way to get it from the midfield up to the front without the attacking players that we have or need or playing in the way they should See, I was tearing into Hoiberg, but that was based largely on a short spell where he just forgot how to play football and had a couple of horrible moments one after the other. Socks, you're going to come to his defence now, I believe, because you said he actually had a good game overall. If we take that brief horror spell out of it, I mean, first of all, tell me what you think of Hoiberg in this game. And also, where does that leave you in terms of your thoughts about him and where he fits into our system and our team and our plans? I mean, I'll answer the second one first and that it hasn't made any difference whatsoever. He's, yeah. he's still not a good fit for us moving forward, but that doesn't yeah. mean he can't have good games. I mean, we've seen, let's say, Eric Dyer be bad fits for us in the past in several different teams and still have exceptional games. So yeah. I, I, I hasn't really changed my mind with regards to the fact that he's gone, if not by the end of this window, then definitely in the summer. In terms of this game, like... I thought he was the best player on the park, honestly. Well, I say best player wearing white on the park anyway. I don't think he did much wrong. Mm. He just had one minute of horror where he gave away the ball twice within about 60 to 90 seconds and we could have been 2-0 down quite comfortably. Whether that overshadows the other 90 minutes where I thought he did really, really well is up to you, I suppose. But I do think sometimes it's so easy to kind of go for the players that end up becoming scapegoats and we know don't have long-term futures here but he was by far better than say Kuliseski who we often wax lyrical about and myriad others on the pitch so there wasn't anybody else that you'd look at and say they had a great game they had a good game they had whatever so he was the best of a bad bunch but I think of all the games to kind of criticize him for I'm not sure this was the one and if anything this is the one that kind of proves his value as a squad player you don't want him to start. I mean, look, if Basuma was was here, Basuma would be starting. If Basuma was here on Wednesday against Brentford, yeah. I'd want him to start that game. So there's nothing that Hoiberg has done to change my mind. But mm-hmm. he's shown that he has some value and he's shown why, if you look at the clubs that have been linked to him fairly regularly since the summer, it's been the likes of Juventus and Atletico Madrid. And I do think when he does leave us, he's going to go to a club of that caliber, bigger clubs than Tottenham anyway. So yeah, yeah. Not, not, the, not the game to criticise him for, but I don't think he was you know, responsible for the loss or anything like that. Yeah, I think this is probably oversimplifying it, but I think any other league than the Premier League, I think he'll look really good. I think where he's got a bit more time and he's not going to be pressed as much because that was the problem. You saw he, he panicked a bit and he just got closed down and he, he didn't really have that much time to think. And I think if he goes to Italy or even Spain, he might do okay. So I think it's the system more so than the league because if you look at the manager that signed him for us was Jose Mourinho and I mentioned Atletico Madrid and Juventus. The two yeah. managers of those teams are Simeone and Allegri. Put all yeah. those three managers together and you kind of yeah. spell... Yeah, exactly. So it's a very specific type of manager where he will absolutely thrive under and that manager is Impostico but like I say yeah. he's done okay in terms of a player kind of coming off the bench and yesterday was mm. was one of those games where of all the things to kind of complain about and criticise I don't think he's 
it, it would be fair outside of that one ridiculous minute where he just went full kamikaze <laughs> yeah. to, if, to if go to the Bruyne that chance you might think slightly differently about it but that's uh, yeah that's, that's, that's why that's I'm sort of hesitating way. when I say it's it. always yeah, some exactly. but you know I'm kind of judging an outcome how, but, how many times yeah. have we overlooked horrible mistakes that players have made like Van de Ven the other day just because they got away with it yeah Van de Ven did a very similar exactly. thing and I think Benson could have saved him and bailed him out so yeah I guess you, you've got to just move on from it haven't you look at the whole picture of the game Jose Mourinho it was Jose Mourinho's birthday would you believe yesterday and I discovered this when I'd first noticed that it was not only Australia Day in honour of Big Ange but it was also Bill Nicholson's birthday and, and it was the day that we were playing Man City in the cup we have, we have of course beaten in the final so I was just sitting there thinking there are omens everywhere this is written in the stars we're going to win and then I saw that it was also Jose Mourinho's birthday and I thought oh that's it that's it it's ruined it now it's ruined it uh, Petros <laughs> tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 how much has this ruined your weekend? <laughs> in other words, how upset are you by this result? I can't result? say it's personally ruined my weekend, but I can definitely say it's made it a downer of a weekend. Like, it's no. made me... Does Spurs ever ruin your weekend, though? Are you like Ellie? Because I, I know Elio, for example, if Spurs lose on a Friday or even a Saturday, then, then that's it. It's game over. If it's a big game like that. Does that I, ever I happen to you, or is it? No, like, I mean, there's definitely been occasions where it's been huge games, but going out to City... I mean, i got to look at the big picture here. Going out to City yeah. in... Like, going out to the best team in the world the treble winners last year in yeah. the fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah. yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating, but I wouldn't say it's ruined my weekend. I mean, it's, it's not like no. we went out to Arsenal in the semi-final or like, it, it, like, yeah. it, like yeah. it's frustrating and I feel, but I feel very similar to the way we did after the Fulham game uh, when we got knocked out of the League Cup, which is like, we didn't get that far. We didn't really put in the effort. I guess it's different going out to City versus Fulham, but it's just a very, it's just a very frustrating feeling rather than angry and, bitter disappointment in the way that I might have felt in 16-17 going out to Chelsea in the semi-final. Yeah, I, th- I think the difference with the Fulham game is that we really went for this. This was the best team we had available. I know Madison didn't start, but you can only imagine he wasn't fit to play 90 minutes and that's why. I don't think we held back, unlike with Fulham where I think that was the first time everyone said, hang on Ange, what's going on? Why are you playing a B team? But yeah, I think... The fact that we were roundly outplayed and we lost to the better team and we didn't go that far in and let our hopes get up too much does soften the blow a little bit. But I have to admit, I had taught myself into thinking we were going to win this game. <laughs> I had. And I think that's largely based on recent results against Man City. And just, I, I got it in my head. I, I got superstitious, almost a sort of reverse superstitious. And I, I got it in my head that we were their bogey team and we had some kind of magical powers against them at home. Um, <laughs> and it, it all seemed to be lining up. And I, I don't know why I stupidly thought that a fourth round cup tie for Man City isn't going to be that big of a deal. And I thought they might rest a few players. And I guess they did. But I don't know how much of it was resting and how much of it was just rotation like they normally do but yeah I thought we were going to win this and, and we didn't they were nearly 1-0 up after about four minutes the Oscar Bob goal first of all Oscar Bob has a brilliant name secondly that was the right decision not to be allowed yeah he was he yeah. was a literal foot offside yeah. like by his own yeah. by his foot basically yeah, so. yeah but it was a warning sign of things to come wasn't it so what did we do well in this game what positives are to take away I know I'm always clutching at straws here but is there anything you liked about our performance because no. you know, <laughs> okay, moving on from that. Well, actually, I was going no, to be positive. <laughs> I, I was going to try and be positive. Do you not have anything you'd like to say that's good about what uh, we did? I, I guess thinking about it, I really like Van der Ven's performance, and I do yeah. think we probably defended well overall. It's just yeah. you said it, and you talked about the Oscar Bob thing, and then I started thinking, okay, what happened after that? And all I remembered was just 
City relentlessly having the ball, irrespective of whether they did anything with it. And I guess it forced us to defend because we didn't really have any other choice because we couldn't touch the feeling thing. I know Petros was talking about the possession stats uh, just a few minutes ago, but it did not feel that way. It felt like it was 30, 70 or 28 or whatever. A lot of our possession was them chasing us in our own half and us desperately horseshoeing to keep the ball, wasn't it? Which we did well to be fair, but that's not what you want. We did the same thing over and over again, which is we did really, really well to play out the back, especially amongst Mm. sort of back four or five. And whenever it went into somebody in midfield, whether that was Hoiberg, even Bentoncourt at times, Kulisevsky, that's when we broke down. And then the same thing just sort of happened again. So it kind of fell into that repetitive pattern. But yeah, I think defensively, everybody looked pretty good, especially, I mean, Van der Ven, he didn't actually get tested to, I mean, he got tested a couple of times in terms of him being an absolute speed demon. And it was nice to have that. I think there was a couple of instances where someone went through and I just sort of sat there and I was like, I'm not concerned about this in the slightest because I knew he was the one He's got it, in yeah. the foot race. But overall, you kind of forgot how good of a defender he was, irrespective of the pace that he's got. Like, that is his headline feature, and in a weird way, it almost takes away from every other aspect of his defending. So, I think he stood out. Romero was typical Romero. I thought both fullbacks did pretty well. So, it's difficult to think of anything else in terms of positives because we didn't have too much of the ball or it felt like it and because we didn't really create anything of note. Obviously, Timo Werner made a lot of good runs that and he wasn't found. But when we are at a point where we're talking about off-the-ball runs that may have turned into half chances, then we are very much kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of positives. So, like I said before, I don't think it's one worth a ridiculous amount of analysis. I think there are certain games where you hold your hands up and go, these lot are much, much better than us. And... That's it. Not much more to say. Yeah. I did find things to like about our performance, and I had to look really, really hard, and I had to be really, really positive. <laughs> how was, drunk were you? It was like you know how you know how they yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's like some it's like a mother finding the good things in her son, even though he's a horrible monster, just because you know you're desperate Ugliest to see sin. them in the best light. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I thought the way we played around their press was actually quite good, considering how brilliant it was. <laughs> we, we were really, really ugly, but I I love us anyway. Um, yeah, I thought we actually. <laughs> played some really nice stuff sort of beating the press playing around them we were quite brave we took chances we did everything Andrew wants us to do it just wasn't enough against a really good team on form and that's the thing if City show up and they play their best game then you, no one's really going to give them a game and that's that's it you need to hope that they're at 80% or 90% and we've got everything fully firing um, as for the final third thing yeah that's not great and it's not the first time we've seen that this season we've had a couple of games where we've just not really had that killer instinct to the end I did feel for Werner I felt like there were loads of times that he made runs and he wasn't being found and I think you have to blame I think there were a couple that stood out there was one where Kulisevsky who you'd normally expect to see the pass didn't play him in he cut inside he checked inside and didn't see him Udogi had a couple of chances to play him on that side as well and the thing is when he did have a chance and Petros you said a minute ago that he he played one for a Charleston I remember a really nice weighted through ball for Brennan Johnson which probably wouldn't have gone down as a shot because I think he tried to take it around the keeper it was really well played and Johnson ran onto it and that was definitely a chance it probably wouldn't have registered in our shots but I think if he had been a little bit more composed he could have maybe taken it around the goalie or something so that was the one that stood out for me and I think there are some positives to take from it but yeah you have to look at it and think the better team went through shall we talk about the goal because I'm sort of angry about it Despite everything I've just said, despite the fact that, yeah, we did deserve to lose to a very, very good team who are probably going to go and win the competition. Well, before we do, just an interesting stat note is that this is actually Spurs's a depressing stat, unfortunately. This is oh. Spurs's first game since <laughs> March 10th oh. that we have not scored in. This is Ange Postacoglu's oh, first God. game that we have not scored in. It is, in. of course, you're 35 right. 35 games. 
Oh, at least at least it doesn't kill our record in the Premier League because we're on an absolute yeah. run in the Premier League. Uh, I think it's <laughs> so, 33 games in a row. So this never happened. We can just sweep it under the rug. Even the back end of the Conte, Stellini, Ryan Mason, possibly Hugo Lloris managing, I got lost at the end of that season. Oh, like yeah. season. We even scored against Newcastle in that game, didn't we? Yeah. My God. Yeah, that's actually quite sad. I wish you'd not told me that. <laughs> I am here to make your life more depressing. <laughs> I, I was hoping that this would be my therapy. I, I was hoping I'd come on here and I'd feel a little bit better. We'd sit here and we said, you know what, we gave it a good go. And now we've got a nice run in the Premier League and we're going to go and win the league and everything's going to be fine. But no, no, you had to bring me down to reality, crashing down and reminding me who I support. But anyway, I feel like this, this is often the case with Spurs. It's funny how often the, the five stages of grief tend to map so perfectly onto football because I'm, I'm going through all of them at the moment with this game. There was the initial... The initial denial when the goal went in, I was like, wait, what? No, that's not going to be allowed. Surely this is still nil-nil. VAR is going to come in and save the day. And and then it didn't. And then, of course, the anger came. And then there was the bargaining of thinking, okay, we've lost this, but now at least it means that we have fewer fixtures to congest our schedule and we're going to have a better run in the league. And then I eventually realized that I was talking bollocks to myself and actually we're completely fine because we're not in Europe and that was just clutching at straws. And I'm I'm on the brink of acceptance right now. Yeah, the result I've accepted because I have to, I suppose. I mean, it's it's it, you'd think after 15, 16 years, whatever it is, I'm not winning a trophy, it would get yeah, easier, yeah. but it, it doesn't really. But I was just sort of talking to Petros before we were recording and, and talking about how I think our expectations have risen quite a fair bit because of how well we started the season and where we are in the league and stuff. So with this being the kind of one winnable competition and with Arsenal already being out of it and you're looking at it and going, well, if we've beaten City, then outside of Liverpool, obviously there's still yeah. Villa, there's still Newcastle, there's still Man United, but we've already shown we can beat and basically beaten all the... I mean, Villa, we, we batted and lost 4-1 or 2-1, sorry. <laughs> Newcastle, we yeah. thrashed. Liverpool, okay, was... Uh, a dodgy game but we've we've proven we can sort of beat these teams you looked at it and thought to yourself this could be our year or whatever so it's disappointing but at at the same time these are the sort of you know when I know it's become a bit of a a joke or a meme or whatever where you keep going on about could we could we win the league or whatever and one of the reasons I keep saying no is this is the level that you've got to aspire to be in and it's fun to sort of dream but when it hits you and you sort of see it for yourself. You're like, bloody hell, we're a ways off. And again, it shouldn't be that much of a shock, but sometimes you kind of get caught up in the romance of it. And then you sort of see it for what it is. And it's just like, all right, I think that this yeah. is probably knocked us all kind of collectively down a peg or two. And we can start looking at it a bit more. I don't want to say sensibly, because there's nothing wrong with, with kind of being romantic and dreaming and stuff, but yeah. we're a ways off. So <laughs> it's, it's disappointing, especially with the third, when oh, sorry, the second round exit of the Carabao Cup and it yeah. being the first season in like 15 odd years where we've had no European football. I can't remember the last time we were in January and we were only in one competition. Like I, mm. I genuinely can't remember the last time just because of uh, a lack of Europe. So I think that's the thing I'm kind of coming to terms with more than the actual defeat yesterday, but yeah. here's what it is. And it's one competition that jokes aside, we're probably not going to win. And it's just that realisation of, (laughs) in all likelihood, we're going to win nothing this year. Again, oh, well, I guess let's try and enjoy the football. Um, It's self-preservation though, isn't it? I think the reason that you rightly turn around and say, don't be ridiculous, stop talking about that. We're not going to win anything is because you don't, we're close enough that it's not a stupid thing to suggest. So it's possible to talk yourself into believing. And that's part of the fun in being a football fan. But then when it doesn't happen, it hurts that a little bit more. Uh, Pedros, talk to me about the winning goal, as it turned out to be, by Nathan Ake after Ruben Diaz made a controversial challenge on our goalkeeper that some are saying was fair, some are saying was a foul. Where do you stand? 
I think it goes down a bit 50-50 and it really did sort of sum up the way a lot of us are feeling about the game afterwards is that it's a very frustrating way to lose because the goal itself, it really it was, a was a 50-50. Yeah, it was a 50-50 split on whether or not it was a foul on Vicario. Um, people say mm. Vicario should have been more aggressive. He should have been more physical with him. And that's probably right. A different goalkeeper might have been. But the truth is he did get to the ball first. He didn't keep it in. And then... Aki managed to put it in the back of the net. And it was like, it's one of those where you could say, was he was he obstructing him? Was it actually a foul? Was it what? And it's frustrating yeah. to lose the game that way when there could have been a hundred other ways. That, I mean, De Bruyne hitting the corner flag from what should have been a easy shot on goal at one point is another way it could have ended. There's, there's a dozen ways this could have <laughs> yeah, ended. The corner but... flag is a bit harsh, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it was about a whisker wide, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> if that had been the goal that settled it, I'd have been like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That, that's a fair reflection of the game. A solid, smashed into the net. Can't argue with that. It felt like we were about goal. to get away with it. That was the that's the most frustrating thing. Is that it felt like we were about yeah. to get away with it, and I think maybe I'm still a little bit in denial in my head, even though I have to accept it. Is a little bit of my brain. Maybe that's why I'm mm. not as depressed this weekend. Is that part of me was never really expecting us to go the full distance in the FA Cup this year, um, especially yeah. once I knew we drawn City because I, I had I just had this dreaded feeling. It's like, yeah, even though we're at home, this, this is the one. And I and yeah, I said it yeah. right when I was watching the game. I said it over to my girlfriend at the time. Was that the commentator said, and that's a hundred attempts on goal at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over the last five years <laughs> by Man City. And I'm like, and watch the hundred and first uh, go in. And what goes in? The hundred and first attempt. Uh, the best part of that is that we are currently recording episode one hundred and one of the Plus Tape Podcast. So look at that for a little bit of poetry. <laughs> the first hundred yeah. were great. Look what's happened now. Yeah, I guess the contrast of that is that Wolves game because that was very similar in so many ways. But the goal that won it, do you remember, was an absolute worldie it was a uh, was it yeah. Sarabia he sort of flicked Sarabia, up and it, volleyed. Yeah. Oh, it was an amazing goal and it was almost well, like yeah. alright fair play I don't mind losing to that goal what can you do about that goal whereas when it's a dodgy goal like that where it could be a, I, I, I don't know I, I'm probably just being an overly passionate Spurs fan to be fair to Vicario a lot of the goals that they've scored that people scored against us this year have been frankly wonder goals we've had at least like three or four oh, yeah. goals the season scored against us this year we've had some it's nice been... goals scored against us yeah so uh, no knock to Vicaro, even though you know you could say that goal was his fault slightly because he wasn't aggressive enough he's had a great season so far so i'm not it's you know it's a terrible goal to go out to it's a terrible loss at the end of the day and we thought we were going to get away with it too if it had been for those meddling ds's <laughs> those meddling oil that's barons. the way it ended uh Sox, yeah. what do you think of the goal where do you stand on it? Um, I'm not sure. I, I didn't think... I haven't really seen it back, but watching it live, I didn't think it was a foul. I, I guess if there's any frustration, it's that keepers are so massively overprotected that normally yeah. those sorts of things always get given that's a foul. Exactly, but at yeah. the same time, yeah. I always complain and go, that's bullshit. Keepers are so overprotected. That's no way a foul. Yeah. So I can't then complain. It, it just feels yeah. like one of those things where as a support, you'd say, oh, of course, the one that they're not going to give is going to be against us, even though that may or may not be the case anyway. But... I haven't seen yeah. it back too many times, so maybe upon further inspection, I changed my mind. But I've never really understood sort of the rules with like obstruction and stuff because like DS is allowed to stand there, like he is allowed to be in the way, and I, it's not as if he swung an elbow or backed into him too much. There was a bit of like contact mm. and he moved, but like it is a contact sport that it's not as if they're not allowed to sort of touch each other or whatever. So I don't think he was doing anything so horrible. I mean, they were they were doing that to him in the first half as well. If you looked at every set piece they had, they had a man on the goalkeeper and more than one team has done that to us just because of how big Vicario is. That is the way to kind of yeah. obstruct him. So I, I think it's one of those where it's six of one and a half, a dozen of the other. I don't think it's like a huge howler by the goalkeeper because I think it's a difficult thing to get to. And I don't think it's like a, a ridiculous foul or anything that we're looking at it and going, you know, mm. release the f***ing audio tapes. 
send out a statement, <laughs> Nick, and ask to start. Yeah, yeah, none of that horse And I, I think, yeah, to be honest, uh, when you when you factor in, bloody hell, this dog, man. I'm trying to record the podcast, dog. <laughs> I'm trying to record the podcast, man. Stop it, Go, man. This is staying just in the one, final uh, cut. One I've second, listeners. Uh, I'm just going to pick this thing up. Honestly, no Jesus, to the making of the Thursday podcast. <laughs> Honestly, what is with the tippy tappy, man? Honestly, anyway, he's obviously I'm really heartbroken about going out of the cup because he cel- he celebrates Spurs Spurs goals this little dog, doesn't he? Speak English, yeah. you bastard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in English, I, I think <laughs> you don't know speak you know Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the manner of how we played and the fact that we basically got battered, even if it was like the most egregious decision ever or whatever, I would find it really difficult to complain. So yeah, even if you're yeah. even if you're on the side of like we did get shafted by the ref or whatever, which I'm not, I don't really think we can have too many complaints about the defeat. So I, I guess it. it doesn't really matter. It's, it's final destination, isn't it? We cheated death, so it was going to get us one way or another, even if it was in some ridiculous, convoluted way that made no sense. Like they had 18 shots and somehow none of them went in, so that was always going to come up. But in isolation, I have to say it was. I'm very much with you on that. It's normally not given, isn't it? Normally the referees are really protective of goalkeepers and the slightest touch, they'll let them get away with it. And you can't help feeling that in a week's time, we're going to see the same thing happen. It will go the other way and then we're all going to get really enraged again because we're going to say, oh, what about our one? But anyway, you're absolutely right. And the smart, sensible way of looking at it is it doesn't matter. That wasn't, that was what won the game technically, but what won the game was them just being so dominant that it was eventually going to happen and we have to accept it. Anyway. Should we move on from the Man City game? Should we talk about games that we might actually win that we have a better chance in? Uh, specifically, <laughs> our upcoming... I mean, that's, uh, I did have one thing to bring yeah, up the City go game. One thing is, yeah, yeah. It's just that when you look at the, the number of fouls in the games... Oh, we've got some more stats. Yeah, they had 19 fouls to our nine. And this is just a, a thing that I would hmm. kind of like to say about the sport in general. Like, that started to really aggravate me. It has been the tactical foul, which City used all game. Yeah constantly and it was driving me nuts throughout the whole game and I, I somebody said it on Twitter is what finally clicked in my head and realised what was going on uh, because it was every time we had a build up the person who was building up from the midfield was fouled and it was I feel like tackles like that that are very clearly not an attempt to actually tackle somebody but an attempt to foul somebody to stop the like attempt to just go in for it yeah. and take the ball however it happens the taking one to for the team the, the stopping the counter attack yeah. like Rodri did how yeah. is that that much different than stopping the ball on the line with your with your hand how is that not much, <laughs> not like it depends like, it depends on the on the situation but I know what you mean there are there are some yeah, there was one like, a couple of weeks ago against like, that's us an exaggeration, but it's two. like yeah the, yeah. the number of times that happened drove me absolutely mad. There's a lot of problems, but one of the big ones we had throughout the entire game was that we were constantly being fouled when the build-up began. There was a brief period, I think it was around mm. 70 minutes or so, when we actually started to get back into it. And every build-up that we had got ruined by that, basically. And we managed to get two chances, none of which ended in shots, because Kyle Walker is the flash, apparently. Yeah. And that's about it. That's That's really... The midfield problem, in a nutshell, was that no one was really having a great game in general. But we weren't allowed but, to get going. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, we've we've gone from saying we have to accept the decision and just move on from it and accept the Man City with a better team to switching it right back around and saying, oh, actually, the referees <laughs> screwed us and they're a bunch of cheats and we should have won. But no, I take your point, and I actually this is something I've brought up a, a few times, and I don't know if there is any data behind it or anyone can suggest why it's happening beyond. We just have a lot of good players who are good on the ball and people like to kick us. But a lot of times this season, I've watched our games and I've thought the opposition seemed to be going out of their way to disrupt our flow and breaking up the game by 
fouling us tactically with little niggling fouls they know they can get away with and the referees have been clamping down on it we saw it with Villa we saw it with Crystal Palace we've seen it in a few games and it does seem to be a thing that I've noticed but then I tell myself I'm just being protective of my team and every other team probably sees it the same way Arsenal certainly do they were complaining to the FA about it so who, who's to say? We, we've had four red cards and all manner yeah. of bookings, so I don't really know if we're in a position to be talking about, yeah. you know, like I get what Petros is saying, but at the same time, this is just the game. And if you can't beat him, join him. You know, this is no different to to time wasting yeah, or diving or whatever. Yeah, 100%. We should be away with it. When we <laughs> kick people, we kick them stupidly and obviously, so we get red cards. I'm sure we do, though. We just probably don't notice yeah. it. I think this is just one of those things in the sport where... In a utopian kind of world, the referees would be catching all of these and everybody would be booked. But we all sort of appreciate yeah. that's never going to be the case. But it's not as if we've never done... I mean, our, our Pochettino team was full of c***s. Like, we were a bunch of... <laughs> We yeah. were a bunch of snidey little pricks. Yeah. We were horrible to play against. Yeah. And I want to say, like, wasn't that literally what Mourinho yeah. told the team at one point? Oh, yeah. Like, like, didn't Mourinho literally tell, tell yeah. them, you have, yeah. to be, you have to you have to be c***ed out there? It was probably exactly what he yeah. said. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, but be smart yeah. about it, yeah. Exactly. And I think the it's the same arts. thing now. Like, yeah. like, the thing is with City is, like, you know they're going to do this because this isn't anything new. We're oh, talking yeah. about them tactical fouling. Fernandinho invented it. Exactly, yeah. So this has been a Pep Guardiola thing. So if anything, I would say, I don't want to go sort of too far the other way and say that's a criticism of the manager or anything but that is just the challenge that you've got to be able to deal with and if yeah. they do that then we do that but I don't think there was anything that was like you know we tackled and we got a yellow card and they tackled and they didn't or whatever I thought the game was actually pretty well ref to be honest the Paul Tierney is generally shite like normally just completely useless but I thought we actually had an okay game to be fair to him if you'd like the actual statistic is that we are top of the league wore a trophy for fouls <laughs> received yeah see that was nice. 300 in the Premier <laughs> I mean, League that is 30 more than the closest, which is Aston Villa at 270. Well, there you go. And I think Madison per 90 is up at the top or one of the top. And I think Los Celso was the most foul per 90 at one point when Arsenal were complaining. So there's definitely something in it, but you're right. We've got to kind of bring that game the other way as well and turn it around in our favour. Or maybe hope that the refs actually start helping us out. Uh, let's get over this, shall we? Because we're going to be here all day complaining about the refs. We do this every week. We try and move on from moaning about decisions and then and then we get dragged back into it. But let's talk about our next we few games because we, we can try. I mean, we can pretend to move on at least for the sake of uh, sake of our listeners. Let's get on to the Premier League because our next game is on Wednesday, the thirty first of January, at home against Brentford, who of course have their talisman Ivan Tony back in the side. Uh, scored in his first game back with uh, <laughs> a little bit of a controversial goal. Came back from a lengthy ban for cheating and has gone immediately back into cheating to score the goal. Uh, <laughs> but these are our next four. Go- our next four games are in the Premier League: Brentford at home, Everton away, Brighton at home, and Wolves at home. Sox, what goes through your mind when you see those four fixtures? Are you filled with optimism? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were saying we're out of every single competition, so now we've only got focus yeah. on one. So it's it's full steam it's ahead. Easy. We're in. A, we're, <laughs> I want to go that far. We're in a position now where you obviously you're still missing the players that are away in in Africa and in in Qatar, in Ivory Coast, the Qatar to be precise, for the internationals. But other than that, you look yeah. at the team and, okay, Madison is clearly in a position where he still needs to get up to speed, but the defenders knock on wood are all back. You've now brought in Dragos in so that even if Van de Ven and Romero pull up again or something, he can come and sort of step in. Obviously, Bentacor still looks like he's finding his fitness a little bit, which I guess is a consequence of coming back miraculously early from the ankle ligament damage and stuff. But you're looking at, Brentford at home and you know this is something that Elio says pretty regularly something along the lines of 
there should never be a universe in which we're not confident against the team with all due respect, like Brentford yeah. at home, especially this season where they've been kind of dragged into a relegation battle. I know they've lost Tony, but I think they've lost Mbomo for large periods. I think Rico Henry, yeah. who's also a big player for them, has been out and that's why they signed yeah. Rugby on a loan, obviously, who won't be available. So it's the old cliche of it will be a tough game because that is just the Premier League. But at the same time, we are close to resembling the team that we had in the first nine or 10 games where we were blowing teams like this away. So I am, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to it because Mm. I'm superstitious in that way. But at the same time, let's see kind of what the next three, four months brings in terms of can we get close to that first eight or nine games up until the Chelsea thing now that players are returning? Is Madison a position where he can play more than 30 minutes? Is he in a position where he can start? What difference will that make? What difference will that make to someone like Timo Werner and so on and so forth? So I think it's going to be a nice little sort of test for us and we'll see how we go. They're nicely spread out too as well. We've got a bit of a, bit of a gap in between. I think there's a slightly smaller gap between Brentford and Everton and then there's a week to Brighton, a week to Wolves and then we probably have a couple of weeks off with uh, Chelsea playing in the final because that would be our next game and that's been postponed. So uh, oh, hopefully before too long we're going to have something approaching a, a full strength team. But you're right, you look at all those games and we, we all know that we're fully capable of messing up any one of them because that's just football and that's the Premier League I say and that's Spurs but I think a draw I thought you wanted more optimism no no I, I was getting to that so I was, I was going to say I would say a draw in any of those four fixtures Brentford, Everton Bryson, Wolves I would consider a disappointment call me entitled okay. and um, yeah I'm not saying we're definitely going to get 12 points from those four games but I'll be unhappy with each of those that we don't win but the more important thing is we, we're getting as close to a full-strength team as we've been in a long time now, I think, aren't we? Because Madison, you imagine, will start the next game. I think Postacoglu said that he was fit to start this game, or he said he was available. I, I don't know. He was he was deliberately evasive when he was asked about it, but obviously he didn't start and he came off the bench. So hopefully we're a game or two max away from Madison coming back in. We've now got our full-strength defence. I think all of our international tournament guys are doing rather well, annoyingly, aren't they, if I'm not mistaken? I think I think Senegal have already topped their group. I think uh, South Korea have topped their group. I think Mali are doing fairly well, even, which we said before the tournament. We we thought at least Basuma's going to come crashing out early and come yeah. home. Um, but he's probably the least important one, unfortunately, of those three. But yeah, we're, we're getting close to a full-strength team, aren't we, now? So you've got to start looking at that and thinking the second half of the season should hopefully be at least as good, if not better than the second. Petros, how are you feeling about the rest of the season? Now that that pesky distraction of the FA Cup is out of the way, and we can just focus on the one we really want. It's a difficult run towards the end of the season, because it, like, I mean, there's that part of me that, like you, for the last few months, has been just in the back of my mind, just going, can we? <laughs> it's not in the back can of we? my mind, it's for front and centre. <laughs> Okay, it's a little more in the back of my mind than it is in yours, but like <laughs> yeah. we've had we had a really good start to the season. The question yeah. is, if once we have that full team back, will we be able to emulate the way we played at the beginning of the season going forward? Why not? Can we go ten games in the trot without losing again? If we can, we can quite easily probably get into second or third place. I hesitate to underestimate the way Aston Villa have been playing in general lately, but I don't know if they're destined for a top four spot as much as we are, and I think. The rest of the season, I think we could quite easily get into uh, second. I think it's going to be now that Klopp has decided this is going to be his last season with Liverpool. I think that is going to be yeah. going to go one of two ways: either the players are no longer going to give yeah. a shit, or they're going to throw everything them. they have. Or, 
yeah. to try and get his last season, a la Alex Ferguson's last season. Yeah, and um, and will be linked to his job for the rest of the season. Every opportunity oh, possible, which will uh, yeah, which we can't could wait literally for. come out on radio, uh, TV, YouTube, <laughs> make a whole video game about it, yeah. saying I am not leaving. I am staying at Tottenham Hotspur. He could, he could and- do the Jordan Belfort. I'm not leaving. Yeah, he could literally <laughs> recreate that with Leonardo DiCaprio standing at his side, and it wouldn't change anything. The Sky Sports would be going on about it for the next nine months until until Liverpool appoint Stephen Gerrard. We hope. Um, I mean, as we record, literal breaking news: Javi oh, yeah. is resigning from Barcelona at the end of the season. So that's I thought another you said Javi. I thought you said Javi is Javi. resigning. I thought you meant Javi Alonso, and I was like, that no, no, came out of nowhere. Javi is no. resigning at the end of the season. Literally breaking news. Ooh. Yeah, I think they just lost again tonight. Another one to cut. I mean, it's not going to bloody happen. But we're talking about threats to the Liverpool. Wow. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's, yeah, let's, they just let's lost. deal with one issue at a time, shall we? The real thing that is interesting is that the run-in I'm calling it the run-in on the assumption that we're still looking at a title by the end of the season but our, like, we've got this absolutely brutal gauntlet at the end of the season have you seen it when you actually look at our fixtures and you scroll down and I know I'm jumping ahead here but we get to a point where we've got okay Newcastle who knows what sort of state they'll be in by then they've not been the same Newcastle recently but then we've got Man City Arsenal Liverpool in a row <laughs> and that's it's- right before the last two games <laughs> So it's quite yeah. a brutal run, and it's one of those runs where, like, if we've been winning very yeah, well up until the men then, are separated from the boys. If we've been winning very well up until then, it's like we could be in that sense of like, oh, we can't bottle this now. I mean that that does have bottle written all over, it, doesn't it? Because if we, yeah. if we that means we've got relatively easy fixtures. I mean, relatively easy fixtures until then. So we could be in a really good spot if all goes well. We could be top by then. And then throw it away, and you, you know that that will just be oh, yeah. oh Spurs bottled it again. Look at Spurs, they're so Spursy. But anyway, I'm jumping way ahead of myself. Let's start with Brentford and go from there. And and, and Brentford, I should say, uh, they're actually quite I have good some statistics. Yeah, well, I've got, <laughs> let's see if we've got the same statistics. It's like you know comparing stickers here. I, I've got one here <laughs> that says that. Okay, right, get ready for this. Uh, in the last two months, and I, I got this from Understats, Brentford have the fifth best score for XG faced in the Premier League. And when you look at their away form, it's actually the second best, which does not make for good reading with them coming to visit our stadium. Uh, so their defence has been quite tight. They've not given away much. And considering we seem to be unable to create many chances recently, let's not expect a goal fest. Your turn. What have you got for me? Well, you say that away form, but their current away form <laughs> right now is win, loss, loss, form. loss, loss, loss. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's that's better. That's what I like to see. See, I was being um, negative and you, you getting switched Getting an around. average of 0.78 points from their last five away games. <laughs> what uh, have we become? That? What does that mean? What have we become? <laughs> Elliot would be on the phone Elliot. to the <laughs> Samaritans if he was here. <laughs> You're sending him to an early grave. Someone stop this madness. Well, you know what? I've lost all faith in historical stats because I was told that we always beat Man City at home and that they never score against <laughs> us. So, you know what? None of this means anything to me. Take your stats. I'm on Team Elio this week. I just want to watch with my eyes <laughs> and believe with my heart and hope that we can pull something off. Well, look, we were getting towards that point of the podcast where we start talking nonsense and thinking about wrapping it up. But we've got a couple of little things to go over. First of all, we are still... In January, we're still in the transfer window. We've done some business, and I think very good business so far. We might be doing some more. Socks, what's the latest that you've heard in the world of Tottenham transfer activity? Are there any players that we're linked to? We've talked about a couple before. Anyone that you like the look of? Anyone that you think might be coming in? What's the latest state of play? 
be our yeah, Fabrizio Romano for the week on the scene. <laughs> I've got an Italian accent, but it's about to get very racist very quickly. <laughs> so I'll stick to my normal voice. I mean, the only Imagine one we, we get cancelled the week Elio is not on. Who would have predicted that? I mean, it runs in the blood, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Not too far of a prediction. Yeah, I mean, the, the one name that keeps coming up is Antonio Nusa, who's a winger that yes. plays at Club uh, Club Riga in Belgium. And apparently we want to sign him for about 30 odd million and then loan yeah. him back for six months and then he joins he? us next year. Kind he of player is, we're talking about. Uh, he's a winger from what I understand. I mean, look, I only know him for a football manager and the same YouTube highlights I've seen as much as everybody else. So I can't really go into sort of insane detail about him. The only thing yeah. I would say is that we've been speaking a lot. You know, I remember that run where we kept losing games. I think West Ham at home was one. And we were talking about how we don't have players that could dribble, uh, which is particularly difficult to kind of break down low blocks and stuff. And I don't know if he's going to end up being world-class or crap or anything in between, but just going off of YouTube and Football Manager, the guy mm. can dribble. And we've got to be careful with it because he's 18 years old and he's coming from the Belgian league. But I think it's more about... It's hard to get too excited about a player you don't know that well. But if nothing else, it gives me confidence that we are identifying the right profile of player. If he's good yeah. or not remains to be seen, assuming we sign him. Who knows? By the time this goes live, anything could have happened. But it does show you that, that Ange and, and whoever is part of the squad building is looking at the squad and seeing the same things that we are seeing or you know, yeah. vice versa, not to kind of give us too much credit or whatever. So I, I don't really know how I kind of feel about it because like I say, I don't know who he is. But if you look at the kind of signings we've made in the last few years in terms of we signed them young and then we loaned them back, it's been Papsar, it's been Destiny Adogi. Yeah. And I guess if you want to go even further back, we did something similar with Deli Ali, where we signed him in January, loaned him for six That's months, right. and then he yeah. came the season after. So I yeah. think we've spoken a lot about how our recruitment in the last sort of two, three years since Paratiju came in has been pretty much on point. And I think the only signings that we've made from about the summer of 2021 onwards that you'd look at and I say have been objectively failures, I suppose would be maybe Brian Hill. I know Johnson, people yeah. have some doubts on him, but it's too early. Richarlison, you could still argue there's a question mark. Maybe Emerson Royale, and I think that's harsh. But other than that, I think they've all been winners. So I'm in one of those where it's like, I don't know too much about him. I can't get too excited, but I've got so much faith in the quality of our scouting at the moment. <laughs> in YouTube. <laughs> and, and in the manager. people who pull together the football manager stats. <laughs> I've, I've got but, a lot of faith in their scouts, you know, because uh, they've, they've got quite a lot right over the years. Yeah, maybe Freddie Adu is, uh, is the case, the, the exception. <laughs> they deceive me with Carlos Vela and FMO7, <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, they're pretty spot on. Yeah, exactly. So. I love how our scouting has just become YouTube and football manager and FIFA. I was listening to The Extra Inch the other day, actually, and Nathan from The Extra Inch, he uh, is probably safe to say his scouting methods go beyond a quick YouTube compilation and he's got some serious data on players and he basically put together a short list of players that suit the A profile for Spurs and he talked about and so he talked about Conor Gallagher and obviously a few others and one of the names he threw in there I don't know if it was just for a laugh or, or not was was Deli Ali and I, it's funny you mentioned him just then and I was thinking everyone's kind of forgotten about Deli because obviously you know he was he was in the news because of talking about his mental health struggles and everything and then he's not been playing but then you can't help thinking he's still a young man he's actually kind of perfect for what we were looking at if it were if he suddenly you know found a second wind and got back mentally where he needs to be and got back to fitness that would be a fun one wouldn't it but it's probably not worth getting into too much I would love nothing more than a Deli Alley redemption story oh wouldn't we all wouldn't we all and and Ange has to be the perfect man to take him under his wing put an arm around him and get him going I think that would be lovely I was just going to say I, I have this kind of wistful longing for the days where I believed YouTube compilations implicitly and that I got 
really excited by a YouTube compilation. I've got to the point now where I see, I just think any player can look good on YouTube. I reckon if there was someone with a camera at my Power League games a few years ago watching me, they could put together a compilation to make me look like Ronaldinho. Like, if you've got enough footage to work with, you can make a player look good. So I'm always very sceptical. It's, it's an indication of the kind of player they are and what they can do and when it works, but I think you've got to marry that up with a bit of data, haven't you? But it's fun to get excited, isn't it? It's fun to let yourself dream. Right, guys, that's probably about it for today, for this week. Is there anything we haven't talked about, anything that we forgot to throw in or any closing words, anything you want to add on to the end? Well, I just had a very small thing that I wanted to say, just as a general thing, about Mm. this podcast. And now that you guys have done 100 episodes, and I think I've been on a grand total of five uh, during the first 20. Um, Yeah. Is this a complaint? No, this is not a complaint at all. <laughs> Actually, why have I not been on more? <laughs> Actually, the complete opposite is that yeah. I moved to the States about 14 years ago. And during that period was right right around the time Gareth Bale was doing well. And I started to fall out of love with the game after he left a little bit, after he left Spurs. Because it was very difficult to go to yeah. watch Spurs games at four in the morning at a pub in Los Angeles, surrounded yeah. by usually Americans who would scream words that more correlated with American football than with uh, <laughs> real football. Um, and I kind yes. of fell out of love with the game. I've described myself not as a fair weather fan, but a bad weather fan, because I came back when we started doing uh, <laughs> not as good as we were on the Pochettino. Um, <laughs> you like the suffering. Uh, yeah, I love, the, I, love, I, love, I love the suffering. I'm, I'm a sucker for punishment. Um, but the truth yeah. is, and this is going to sound very emotional about it, but <laughs> the truth is this podcast has really made me fall in love with Tottenham Hotspur again, even though we've been struggling the last couple of years since this thing began, and the Angiers have been much, Angier so far, has been much better overall, even with games like yesterday. It's great to see you guys keep it up for over 100 episodes. And it really has, even though it's been a couple of years coming that I've been really starting to watch football again and really get back into it, it's been this podcast listening to it every week, listening to my friends and listening to people who all do have very different perspectives, whether it is you, Dagis, very articulate host and really get the conversation flowing, you, Socks, who have a really good insight and are by far and away the easiest person to edit on this podcast <laughs> and one of the most fluent people Thank on you. it. Elio, who I have admired for many years for his knowledge on Tottenham Hotspur and football in general. Um, and I'm sure he will Don't say... Don't let him yes, hear I... that, man. Don't let yes. him hear that. <laughs> and you know Dave, who... this, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I know he's going to hear this. And Dave, who in general has been a great outside voice and telling us, calm down, at least you're not leads in so many yeah. ways, has brought us back down to earth or lifted us up when things have seemed down. And to Joe as well, for the first 50 or so episodes that he was on it, it was great. Thank you to all of you for this podcast and because I've really had a great time listening to it. And thanks for having me back on again. And I hope to be back on more often. And we didn't even ask him to say that. Look at that. That's a lovely message. Thanks, man. We really appreciate it. And I think I speak for everyone. I say we love doing it. And it's great to have made it past 100 episodes. And I hope that there are people listening out there who feel the same way. You are more than welcome. And I will strongly consider bringing you back on for more episodes if you keep saying nice things like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was far too emotional for my liking. So Very I'm just going to end it. it. For, it's not on brand for the Plus Day podcast. So can no. I just say the word c- five times and then we just finish it then <laughs> just to get it back on i appreciate the sentiment it. you can say it three times and then say joey barton <laughs> does he appear in front of me <laughs> if, I, if i say it in the mirror <laughs> and then he starts ranting about any aluko <laughs> and then disappears <laughs> like kaiser sozo he just vanishes oh, <laughs> oh my god
<laughs> yep, I think that's brought the tone back down. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. That's much for brand. Right back where we started. Brilliant. Right. In that case, I'm going to wrap things up. Thanks, guys, for joining. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Apologies, everyone, for listening, as always. Um, but hopefully <laughs> it's not been enough to put you off coming back on the next show. We still won't have any of back, but we may well have Dave for the next one. So we'll be reviewing the Brentford game and look ahead to what's to come for that one. So stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.